Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. That's our role, is to train up people, to invest in the lives of others. Invite, invest in the lives of others. That's, that's what the, the kingdom of God is about. He'll save them. He'll get them into the family. Yeah, share the gospel. You should do that. Share the gospel. But it's up to the Holy Spirit who, who wins them over, hopefully through your witnessing and all that good stuff. But it's, it's his job to win them over. And then you carry the baton from there, so to speak, in discipling them. Do you have a feeling of disconnectedness? Do you long for a sense of purpose and direction in your life? In today's message, Pastor James shares how the Holy Spirit has the power to transform your life. Through faith in Jesus Christ and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you can find forgiveness for your mistakes, healing for your wounds, and a sense of purpose and direction for your life. We believe that this transformation is not just for ourselves, but it's something that we're called to share with others. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Numbers chapter 8 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Now, there's no physical way that all of Israel, all million or so of these people can actually lay hands on these guys, but they can all lift their hands. They can all lift their hands. And in in church, you can lift your hand. Like when worship's going on, you feel like, I want to lift my hands in worship, then do that. And there's many ways you can do that. You can go single, you can go double, you can go wide, it doesn't matter, you can wave. Nobody's going to wave back at you, right? But it's fine. You just, you can, you know, I'm usually here, like hands over my heart kind of a deal. That's just me. That's my, that's my speed. But you can do that because it's, it's just, a, it's an outward showing of like, just worship. And it's not an attention thing. It's not an attention thing. Nobody cares if you're raising your hand or not, all right? Because they should be focused on the Lord as well, okay? So Tim Hawkins, you guys know him? Comedian Tim Hawkins? Really funny guy, Christian guy. He does a whole bit on this. You can do the Mufasa. How big was your TV? You know, widescreen, small, you know, how this my caught my, here's my baby or all this other stuff. Whatever you want to do, if you feel like at any point in time in worship, when we're singing songs to the Lord, you just want to raise your hand, then raise your hand. It's fine. It's okay. If you feel at some point in time you want to like, just go down to your knees and just pray, then, then do that. It's, it's worship. It's okay, right? Um, just don't start a mosh pit. That's all we ask. There's insurance stuff. We just can't have any of those liabilities. I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not. Don't start a mosh pit because then that's about us, not him. All right. So these guys, the community of Israel would have to like raise their hands towards these guys being designated, which is a beautiful thing. Like, um, I hope and I pray that we will get to the point, and we are getting to the point because the Lord keeps bringing people to Calvary Galveston. Um, you see that, especially if you show up on a Sunday morning, you're like, where do all these people come from? I don't know. I don't know. But it's not my business. That's the Lord. It's his church. He gets to grow it however he wants to. We get to the point where soon, you know, there'll be like a, our goal would be, you know, a whole pastoral kind of staff and have leaders where it'd be one of those things where you have them on stage and the congregation would be like, we're going to put place our hands on you guys. 
Why? Because we need it. Leadership needs it. We welcome it. Because I don't know about you, you get attacked. I get attacked like crazy being a leader. Okay? The enemy's gunning for you. The enemy is gunning for me. You strike down the leader and the sheep scatter. That's just how it is. That's like the realness of this thing. That's why you, know, you should pray for your pastor. If I'm not your pastor, then I'll take your prayers anyways. Because I, I have a big target on my back. It's not because I'm some great guy. It's not because I'm doing big things. It's because I'm a pastor. And anybody who carries that title, they are getting attacked like crazy, crazy. So pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. All those guys who are teaching your kids in that right over there, just across in the hallway down there, you pray for those guys because they're serving the Lord. And the enemy's coming after them. It's coming after them hard, especially these days. Days are growing darker. But this, it's kind of cool that the congregation would lift their hands and they'd raise their, you know, to lay their hands on them. Verse 11, raising his hands, Aaron must then present the Levites to the Lord as a special offering from the, from the people of Israel, thus dedicating them to the Lord's service. So this is what we call a wave offering, okay? This isn't the college football thing where you wave, like everybody does that. Although that'd be pretty awesome, right? The whole congregation, you get a wave going. No, this is, technically this would be a wave offering, but what I don't want you to miss is these Levites are being presented as living sacrifices. Romans 12.1. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. That's what God has asked all of us to do. You're like, I'm not a Levite. Doesn't matter anymore in Jesus. We're all asked to present ourselves. Actually, we're, we're begged by the Apostle Paul who wrote that letter. He says, I beseech you. I beg you to present yourself as a living sacrifice. That is literally what is happening in this moment, in this passage. These guys are being presented as a living sacrifice, dedicated to the Lord's service. Verse 12, next the Levites will lay their hands on the heads of the young bull. The young bulls present one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to the Lord to purify the Levites and make them right with the Lord. Please note that these Levites who serve the Lord and are dedicated to him are not sinless. They are not perfect. They need a sin sacrifice for themselves. So never, ever, ever put any Levite, quote unquote, or servant of God on a pedestal. We all need a sacrifice for sin, and his name is Jesus. But I don't care who the dude is. The biggest dude going right now in Christianity, I don't know who it is, I don't even care needs a sin sacrifice, and he got one with Jesus. These guys all needed a sin sacrifice. They all needed it. God didn't pick them because they were perfect. He didn't pick them because they were perfect. And they wouldn't remain perfect. They would never, that, that's, they would continue have to have to make these sacrifices. But in this moment, they're designating these guys. And they have, to, they have to make this sacrifice, this sacrifice for sins. Verse 13, then have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons and raise your hands and present them as a special offering to the Lord. In this way, you will set the Levites apart from the rest of the people of Israel and the Levites will belong to me. So here's Moses and then Moses is raising his hands and everybody's raising their hands and the Lord gets glorified and honored by this devotion, this dedication, so to speak, of these individuals who were set apart 
to serve God first and others second. Okay? I, I don't know if you picked up on that, but throughout the course of that chapter, it's you serve God first, then you serve others. You cannot serve others without spending time with God. You can, but it won't be fruitful. It won't be that effective. You will only last so long, okay, because you'll burn out, because you can't pour from an empty vessel. You can't. The only thing you can do with an empty vessel is either put it on a shelf or fill it up. And God wants us to be available to him, as Paul would write later on to his young disciple, Timothy, in the house of God, there's many vessels. There's many vessels. What's he looking for? He's looking for a clean vessel and one that's usable. So he wants to fill you up so that he can pour you out. Fill you up so he can pour. That means, I talk about this all the time, the vertical thing has to be strong. You and God, that relationship, you got to be you know, filled up by spending time with God. And then you go horizontal, and that's your overflow into other people's lives. The horizontal is not there if the vertical is not there, okay? So you spend time with the Lord, get in the Word, pray, fast, do those things. Let Him fill you up, and then be on the lookout for the opportunities where He wants to pour you out, because He doesn't fill you up so it can make you feel good, okay? Lord, fill me up, because I just want to feel good. That's not His point. His point is so you can be poured out and emptied again, and then filled up again. You're like, well, I don't want to go through that whole cycle. Guess what? That's Christianity. That's what we signed up for, okay? No, I feel, when I get filled up, I feel really good, perfect, excellent. Now go give it to other people. Give it to others. And then let them fill you up again. That's the process. That's the journey we're all on. I think in heaven, that process will stop. I think. I don't know much about heaven other than I'm going and it's beautiful, and, I, and there's animals there. That's what I know. I'm, I, you can debate me on that one, but I'm pretty sure there's animals there, and I will own one, and it'll be a bear, because um, grizzle, it was destined to happen, grizzle, grizzly bear. I know it's like what the Lord was telling me, what's going to be for me in eternity, okay? Anyways, I'll be the guy riding around on a grizzly bear, in case you forget who I am in heaven. Anyways, just kidding. I don't know. I'm hoping. I'm going to write that in my journal. I think when you get to heaven, you will be filled, and you'll be in the presence of God, but there won't be, in one sense, a need to be poured out anymore. In one, I mean, there's like ruling and reigning with Christ, thousand-year reign, all that good stuff. I don't even know how some of that stuff even works. Honestly, it sounds cool. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But beyond thousand-year reign of Christ and all that good stuff, eternity in new heaven and new earth with God, um, yeah, I think you're just full all the time. I think you're just full all the time. And if I'm wrong, you can correct me when we get there, okay? It'll be fine. You'll probably have to get in line because there'll be a whole correct James kind of thing going on there, okay? But anyways, get filled up so you can be poured out, right? It says, verse 15, chapter 8, after this, <clears throat> these Levites, they may go into the tabernacle to do their work because you have and presented them as a special offering. Remember, living sacrifice. Verse 16, of all the people in Israel, the Levites are reserved for me. 
I have claimed them for myself in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel of the Israelites. I have taken the Levites as their substitutes for all the firstborn males among the people are mine, both people and animals, people and of animals. I set them apart for myself on the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, right? That was that whole Passover thing back in Egypt. Verse 18, yes, I have claimed the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel, and of all the Israelites, I have assigned the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They will serve in the tabernacle on behalf of all the Israelites and make sacrifices to purify the people so no plague will strike them when they approach the sanctuary. Okay, so this is the Levites working uh, in, in, you know, for the benefit of all the children of Israel. Very serious job, <laughs> very serious job. Like, you don't want plagues going through your nation, very serious job to represent God in a right way, okay? So Moses, that's a whole application point I don't have time to get into. Yeah, so I don't know. I hope America doesn't get any plagues, but uh, it's not looking good for us. Verse 20, <laughs> so Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel dedicated the Levites, carefully following all the Lord's instructions to Moses, carefully following all the Lord's instructions to Moses. The Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes, and Aaron lifted them up and presented them to the Lord as a special offering. He then offered a, or a sacrifice to purify them and make them right with the Lord. After that, the Levites went into the tabernacle to perform their duties, assisting Aaron and his sons. So they carried out all the commands that the Lord gave Moses concerning the Levites. The Lord also instructed Moses, this is the rule of the Levites that the Levites must follow. They must begin serving in the tabernacle at the age of 25, and they must retire at the age of 50. Look at that. God's like, you're going to start here, and you will end here. That's cool, right? Um, after retirement, they may assist their fellow Levites by serving as guards at the tabernacle, but they may not officiate in the service. This is how you must assign duties to the Levites. So, you got the priesthood, and that's Aaron's sons. That's Aaron and his sons. That's separate from the Levites and how they would function within the tabernacle, okay? So the Levites didn't get to do all the stuff that the priest got to do, and that's fine because that's how God set it up, right? But the rule in this is like 25 years. So you got 25 years of service. What was it? Numbers. Yeah, Numbers chapter 4, verse 3 says that they had to be 30 years old. So is there like a contradiction in scriptures? No, there's not actually. The five-year difference is probably that of a mentorship. So starting at 25, a mentorship happened for five years. Then at 30, it was like, okay, now you're on your own. You do this for the next 20 years until you're 50. And then when you're 50, then you have to, you got to step aside. So that the guys, so really probably more than likely the one you're mentoring for five years will take your place. You still get to hang out and serve, but not to the capacity that you once did. So you got 20, you got 20 to 25 years of service, and then you're going, you're going to retire. But in the midst of that, you should be training up your replacement. That's kind of a, a, a service philosophical, philosophical view that we have here. Train up your replacements. Train up your replacements. And that's just, not just for me. That's for all of you. Who will replace you in these seats and doing what you do? So you always should be on the lookout 
or who to invest in. That's what discipleship actually is, is investing in the lives of others. And take that time to train them up so that whatever happens in your life, whether you move or something happens, you have somebody who has been trained up to take your spot. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and I don't mean this to sound mean, but every single one of us is replaceable in the body of Christ. I know that goes against cultural norms now. You're irreplaceable. No, you're actually, you actually are replaceable in the body of Christ. Now, I'm not talking about your family or anything like that or your life. You are valuable. Yes, you are valuable. But we should all see ourselves in, in church. We are replaceable. And we should be looking for that replacement. We should be active within that thing of like, oh, Lord, who is it? Maybe there's a young kid across the hallway that's sitting in that junior high and high school room right now that we should focus in on. Maybe you, you'll hear the Holy Spirit tell you, that's your one. And then you grab hold of those kids, not physically, because we don't want that around here. We have a security team that will tackle you. But you, you, you journey with them in this discipleship thing saying, look, I'm going to train you up. I'm going to train you up. I'm going to invest in you. We should be doing this. This was instituted way back here in the wilderness before the journey even began. And it's something that we should carry on. In fact, it was what Jesus told his disciples. He, said, he did not tell his disciples to go and make salvations. He told his disciples to go and make disciples. The Holy Spirit makes salvations. We make disciples. We make disciples. He, through us, makes disciples. We've gotten it all backwards in the church, right? We want to get everybody to church so that they can get saved. No, no, no. That's between them and the Holy Spirit and you being used by the Holy Spirit to witness to them and share the love of Christ with them. But he is the one who saves them. See, in the church world, we just want to get them to there so that maybe the pastor will do an invitation and an altar call, and everybody will come forward, and they get saved, and whew, glad my work's done. No, your work just started. If you invited them here, and they got saved here, you are now their discipler. You're the one. Well, no, that's your job. Hey, I can't disciple everybody. That's crazy. That's madness, right? Like, that's insane. No, no, no. We, as Christ's followers, are all called to make disciples, to teach them the Word of God, to teach them the Word of God. There's more to that commission that, that is found in Matthew chapter 28. But that's, that's our role, is to train up people, to invest in the lives of others, invite, invest in the lives of others. That's, that's what the, the kingdom of God is about. He'll save them. He'll get them into the family. Yeah, share the gospel. You should do that. Share the gospel. But it's up to the Holy Spirit who, who wins them over, hopefully through your witnessing and all that good stuff. But it's, it's his job to win them over. And then you carry the baton from there, so to speak, in discipling them. It would make no sense to like, oh, we just, we just had a baby. woo Okay, now we're just going to let that baby figure it out. Okay? Let's, we're going to let that baby figure it out. Okay? That's what we do in church. All these people get reborn, and we're like, well, I'll let you figure it out. That's, that's insane. Like, we're, we're just asking for tragedy. We're, we're opening the doors to the wolves to come in and to feast upon these infants in Christ. Like, that's how serious discipleship is. These are babies in Christ that need to be bottle-fed sometimes. And they're going to call you at night when you don't want to be called at night. 
because I need to ask you a question. <laughs> Sorry, Leslie. <laughs> yeah. I turn my phone off at night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That was a word from the Lord. Somebody need to hear that apology. Uh, no, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. And until they, they start standing on their own two feet, and then they start being able to feed themselves, right? And then, then you, you want to like help model for them, what I did for you is what you ought to go and do for others now. And it's, it's this thing of multiplication that happens. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing when we just surrender to the Lord and, and say, you know what, Lord, it's your job to save them. And you do a really good job at that. He does a really good job at that. But then he, he, in one sense, he kind of hands them over to us and he says, okay, now you raise them up, raise them up. So actively be looking for that. Be praying for it. Bring people to church. And if you're like, I got a lost friend and I want to bring them to church so maybe they get saved. Don't stop doing that. That's fine. But please don't, don't leave them. Don't abandon them if that happens for them. You are the one. You're the connection. God put them in your life for a reason. So you can be there to, to help mentor them. And if you're like, I'm not skilled to mentor them. Okay, then cool. If you're a dude, then show up to men's Bible study and bring them with you. We'll be your training wills. If you're a lady, then bring them to the women's Bible study, which women's Bible study is the first Tuesday of every month for, for this season. And then in the summertime, it's going to kick up to like weekly. Okay. Bring them to the women's Bible study. That's fine. We'll, we'll be your training wills, so to speak. But we want to equip you to know how to disciple them. Okay? That's, that's something we want. And that's why we teach the word of God. You showed up here and you're like, what's this church about? We're about Jesus and we're about his word. And we will always preach and teach the word of God. But that's what we're going to give you, the word of God, because it's the best thing for you. And it's the best thing for me. What we need is we need the word. Because healthy sheep beget healthy sheep, right? You feed on the word and then you go out there and you share it with other people. But that's what we want to do. And we're just modeling all this stuff after the brilliance of God who is like, even back in the wilderness was like, hey, here's how I want you to do this. Boom, 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 right? And you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Of course it makes sense. It comes from God, right? Nobody's smarter than him. He knows what he's doing. What I love about the book of Numbers is there's going to be more of this type of stuff instituted, so to speak. And, and Moses will be able to sh- kind of, you know, he's still the point guy, but he will be able to share in leadership to a certain degree with other guys. And we're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of the children of Israel through the rest of the book of Numbers. Because in a few chapters, yeah, it gets ugly. It gets ugly. You got all this beautiful stuff of des- dedication and laying hands on and everybody's in one accord and that's good stuff. And then it's not but maybe 9, 10, 11 when the crowd turns on Moses. <laughs> and then there's, a, then there's a rebellion and God opens up the ground and swallows these rebellious people. And yeah, it just, it's all downhill from here, kind of. But God is still in control. He has not given up on humanity. He has not given up on the nation of Israel either. He still loves them. He still cares about them. Right now, it's like what we call the church age. And praise God, he hasn't opened up the ground and swallowed all of us up because I'm sure we deserve it. But he's still like so gracious and compassionate and long-suffering. And he's using us. He's using us as part of his plan. And that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Amazing. 
This has been another edition of Bread for the Broken, and all of us here are so glad that you joined us today. The message you just heard was from the Book of Numbers, where Pastor James has been camping out. Our existence could definitely be seen as dotted with hills, valleys, streams, and rivers, couldn't it? I wonder if we would realize the evidence of God in our lives if we were to map it out on a piece of paper. You'd see where he showed up and where he corrected behavior or maybe where he changed our course. Numbers is a book detailing the Israelites' desert stay after leaving Egypt. In it, we can see how disobedience and defiance don't go unnoticed. God is patient, but there comes a point when our actions deserve redirection, deserve a consequence. We can't follow God and obey what He says if our eyes are always focused on ourselves or our circumstances. So, what do you think? Are you ready for a shift in focus? Are you ready to find hope and new life in Jesus? If so, we'd love to pray with you and walk through that decision with you here at Bread for the Broken. Just visit us at breadforthebroken.com. Another way that you can connect with us is through our Facebook live stream. It's a great way to connect and learn from afar. We're a laid-back church in Galveston, Texas, that just wants to magnify Jesus at all ages. Will you help us in this mission? On our website, breadforthebroken.com, there's a donation link. It's easy to use, so we encourage you to check it out. We're so glad that you were able to sit and soak in the words of Jesus today with Pastor James. We look forward to meeting with you again next time, here on Bread for the Broken.